where was everyone else? What was everyone else doing? And he said they were eating breakfast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Irenacast. I'm your host, Jeff, and with me is my co-host, Alan. Coming at you uh, across the sound waves. <laughs> I like it. Trying something new. Uh, on the first and third Tuesday of every month, we bring to you our perspectives on theology and culture from a post-evangelical lens. Thank you for joining us for another conversation to provoke your progressive Christian imagination. This week, somewhat, I don't know, hypocritical perhaps maybe depending upon how our conversation goes but this week we are going to be talking about christian celebrity culture i suppose that's kind of prideful to consider ourselves even in that notion but we're putting ourselves out there to a certain extent so yeah so we're going to be talking about christian celebrity culture and then for our segment we're actually going to do a bit of a current event issue uh recently a group of I guess evangelicals have released a social justice and gospel statement. What's the official name for it? I think it's social justice and gospel, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. And we're going to be discussing that, giving our thoughts on it. Um, I think the thoughts that we have are pretty consistent with the overarching of our show, but we wanted to address this specifically in in a new, I guess, current event segment that we'll call. uh, It'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be fun. So. Uh, let's, let's get into the main topic. So celebrity Christian culture. I mean, we could say general like celebrity culture, but since this is our, our niche and this is our area, we want to concentrate on, on Christian personalities, uh, in particular. Um, but for me, this subject has been ruminating in my mind for the past, I think, couple months. So I recently saw a tweet that was quoting Dr. Robin Henderson Espinoza. Um, they're a queer activist, Latinx scholar and uh, public theologian. And the quote that they gave was... Progressive Christianity's cult of personality is not transformative leadership. I don't know the context. I, I didn't hear. I'm, I'm assuming it's a quote from a uh, a talk that they were given at some theology forum or whatever. But just that quote alone has been really ruminating in my mind. Where is that line? Like, you're going to put your work out there. You're going to be in leadership. I think it's. I think it's important for us to talk about this subject because I have reached the place where I tell people now that I have experienced a little bit of celebrity in the smallest possible way. Uh, I've met someone who listened to our show and recognized me in a group. And I was like, yeah, this is, this is a really interesting experience. It's totally different than, than anything I've experienced before. And uh, I, I, I'd love for this conversation to dive into that aspect where there, the cult of personality is not serving us as progressive Christians but just to kind of at the beginning, maybe scratch the surface of like why celebrity and fame operate the way that they do, I think is kind of fascinating. I, th- I think the kind of what motivates celebrity culture from from both both directions would be like people people want to belong to something bigger. People have we choose celebrities because there's an impulse in us to worship or to extend ourselves beyond our own death. Right? Because there's be... a God shaped hole in our hearts, Alan, <laughs> <laughs> that we try to fill with everything, but God. <laughs> yeah, you've heard that before. And, uh, I, I, I do think that there is an impulse for us to, uh, belong to things that will outlast us. And celebrity gives us that opportunity. And I've always kind of poo pooed, uh, the, that impulse to, to choose celebrities. And I think maybe that's not a good thing. And maybe you can disagree with me, Jeff, but when you take an impulse that we have as humans and you shove it down 
and you like bury it underneath, it usually doesn't have a good outcome, right? It it pops up in other ways and in unhealthy ways. And I think rather than just saying, and it used to be the cool thing to say, oh, everyone's into in celebrity culture. Look how dumb they are, right? I think now for me, I'm I'm interested in thinking about having better celebrities and better heroes. Uh, I mean, Christianity has always done this. Christianity from the very beginning has had hagiographies, which is like lists of martyrs and stuff, people who we've looked up to as Christians and we've kind of made them into saints or their stories. And I love that. I love the the inspiration of leaders like, for me, Dorothy Day and the Catholic, Catholic worker movement um, is uh, one of my heroes and someone I would put in a hagiography if I was ever writing one. And I was trying to think of another one. I, I read this book. Let me show you this book, Jeff. Uh, do you remember this? I don't know if, if I ever showed it to you like a long time ago. Shane Claiborne's Common Prayer. I have that book, for, yeah. A Liturgy for Ordinary Radicals. And it kind of has like lectionary texts and readings and stuff. But it also has um, stories about people. And there's one where I couldn't remember his name. So maybe a listener can help me. He goes before an emperor. I think it's either in Russia I think he's in Russia. He goes for an emperor and he takes a dead animal and he throws it on the ground in front of the emperor. And I think he's naked. He's like a prophet or something. And he's uh, protesting some sort of injustice. I remember that being like, wow, I can't believe there is some sort of strength inside of Christianity to speak back to the rest of the world, like in a prophetic way. Um, I looked up naked emperor and then that didn't work out really well. So I couldn't find who it was. But uh, That's a whole another story, right? A naked emperor. (laughs) So from one side, we have this impulse to have heroes and celebrities. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but I think it can become easily toxic if we don't have really good heroes, I I suppose, like for myself. And from the other side, we have this idea that like we need to somehow get fame or get recognition because – um, people will appreciate us. Like you'll walk into a room and you'll already be appreciated for who you are or maybe understood for who you are. And I mean, everyone wants to be appreciated and understood. Like the, the sad thing is there's a, there's a video from school of life that I will link to in the show notes. Fame doesn't do that, right? It does not increase the appreciation and understanding from people to you. Like think for a second about sad celebrities, we have no time for sad celebrities, right? <laughs> like you're a celebrity. Why are you crying? Like get over it. Or like, why right. have you melted down? Like there's not, there's not true love or appreciation from, from fame that, that it gives us. Um, and I guess one other thing I wanted to say about celebrity would be there's something called the halo effect. For instance, uh, the, 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 the public theologian you just mentioned is someone I admire, right? Or maybe there's another person I admire. If they're really good at something, maybe it's public theology or speaking, for some reason, we expect them to be good in other aspects of their lives. Like, you know how Ty- Tiger Woods had his famous, like, falling falling out or whatever? Um, we expect because he's good at golf that he's going to be sainted in other, <laughs> other areas of his life when that's not necessarily true. And so fame and celebrity are interesting concepts to me because they, like, they almost decrease the personhood of the person who is in fame, and they push down... Sometimes, some sometimes they they push down other people. C- celebrities don't exist unless there's an unknown mass, right? They're de- they're dependent upon people not being recognized, the disrecognition of the many. And so, I at the same time, I don't want to shove down the impulse to have celebrities. I also really worry what it does to us. The new generation, especially of Christians, are going to measure their success on whether or not they're recognizable. 
on whether or not they're celebrities. Don't you feel that? Yes and no. So so I, there's a, a lot there to unpack that I want to address. <laughs> uh, first yeah. of all, I think that to me, and this is I'm not a psychologist, so you know, take this with a grain of salt. And I think that this conversation is more of a, of a, one of those conversations that we have where we're trying to find a place to land because it's sure. something that's still ruminating in our hearts and minds and souls or whatever. If you believe in sort that sort of thing. Uh, I do. so I know you do. <laughs> uh, so I think, first of all, I don't think, and, I, and maybe this is just, you know, me trying to distance myself. I don't think that it's this longing to be a part of something bigger that all humans have. I think it is a longing for humans to be adjacent to or have power. I think it's a power thing. I think it's our longing to be powerful, be around power, not that we're fulfilling the psychological need to be accepted. I think that's where community comes in. I think this idea of celebrity is our chance to be you know, have power. So I think, I think that when we talk about celebrity culture, we talk about leadership or whatever, we're really talking about power dynamics and how they treat them. But at the same time, I also think this is such a layered thing because there's so many different things that go into it because of the way that our culture is, because it's an entertainment centric culture that people also want to put their art out there. And in so doing, they themselves become famous because their work becomes famous. And I think that, Everything that we love to do, we're passionate about. It is a craft for us. It is an art for us. This podcast is not just about, you know, we want to, you know, put stuff out there, but there's, there's an art to it. There's a, there's a, there's a nuance then and a, and a, you know, a creative force that we put into this show that we care a lot about. And when we hear good things about it, we feel good about ourselves and we're like, oh, that's great. So I think that celebrity culture is inevitable. If we're going to say celebrity culture in the sense of that there's going to be these personalities that people are going to be drawn to, and when they're drawn to them, especially within Christian circles, they're also going to be drawn to certain messages. So when we talk about this, I think it's important for us to remember that we are talking within the framework of a power dynamic. And I went through article after article in preparation for not only this episode, but just things that I've been thinking about. And I realized that every article that addresses the problem of of celebrity culture is always addressing the victims of it and not the people who are celebrity themselves, right? So like back in the 90s, there was this ad campaign with Charles Barkley where it was this famous one with Nike and he was like, I'm not a role model. I'm not a role model. Um, and then so it's always like, well, if you have read too much into what I'm doing, then that's your fault. So it's the person in power telling the person who's enamored with them, you know, don't be too enamored with me. You have to do that. So all of these critiques are at the level of, the person who is not a celebrity, the person who is not the leader and saying it's their responsibility to not do this. But you have this fine line. And I think we're seeing it, obviously, in, in almost a caricature type way with Donald Trump in the terms of what he's like legitimately moving into that realm, not moving into that realm, actively trying to be in the realm of cult of personality, where you're taking that authority and what you're doing with it. And you know full well the responsibility and weight of it. And then you use it to manipulate people. And I think then the other side of that spectrum is you're just trying to put your stuff out there. You're trying to do what's right. And people are are clamoring towards you and looking at you in ways that you never thought you were. And I think that that's, that's, it definitely goes with the territory. And I think that's why we have phrases like, you know, as cheesy as it is with great power comes great responsibility, because whether you like it or not, you are a role model, whether you like it or not, you are doing this thing. So there's a responsibility. The burden of responsibility is on 
the celebrity, the leader, the the media personality, because they are choosing to put themselves out there in that that way. And I think that there needs to be more conversation on how to be a responsible leader, like you were saying towards the end of what you were talking about. And I don't see enough of that happening at all. Yeah, I, I guess I, I hear what you're saying. Because what I said was that we need better heroes and role models. Like the burden is on us to choose them well. I still feel like that. I still feel like we as a society, some so- societies lift up heroes who are like really good workers, like really good, I don't know, the the best this or the best that, the best doctor, like the best teacher in Japan is paid millions of dollars and is immediately recognized by everyone in the country. Can you tell me one teacher in our country that would be recognized by anyone else? Probably not, right? It's mostly like reality well, not TV. a teacher that works in the school. It's a medium that's different, right? <laughs> but but even one that doesn't. I mean, like, I, you can't think of any, like, household name teacher in the United States. Well, you know what I mean? You know, Neil deGrasse Tyson, you could say that. Oh, I a, guess he is a teacher, uh, but Phil, he's not. Bill Nye, the science guy, is a teacher. I, no, I'm talking about a public school teacher. Oh, public yeah, I'm school. talking no, no, about, no, no, like, someone teacher. who is teaching high school. <laughs> like, uh, But, yeah, the, the, the so part of me is, like, we need to create a culture that has be- – just because people are in the entertainment industry doesn't necessarily – like that that's our highest good as a culture. So of course our heroes come from that, I guess. You no, know? I don't think it's the highest good. I think it's they just have the loudest the loudest microphone, the biggest platform. Sure. And I want to put a pin in how do we shift the responsibility back to the people who have the power? And I also want to recognize you mentioned like briefly that there are people who fall into that not knowing they were going to be celebrities and suddenly they they have recognition and they to me that's like a dangerous thing. I mean, it used to be that only the most recognizable people had to deal with what fame did to them as people. But now we have like just kind of anyone at any moment can become a household name in America. And the 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 desire, the desires that are operating and maybe it is power is a part of it. I still believe that like like psychologically, the extension of ourselves, we expect fame to help us. Um, and you could, you could talk about it in terms of power. If I'm adjacent to the celebrity's power. It's going to help me in my life, right? So when that doesn't work out, think about all the hate, all the hate that comes towards celebrities. Like people just like hate Beyonce, hate her, like with a passion or they hate or love her so much or love her. Yeah. But, but, but even I think it's a dangerous thing for us in some ways to be so to just like triple. We're not even tripling down on celebrity. It's become everything. We're slowly becoming a culture where if you're not a celebrity, you're not successful and I just worry what that's doing to us as people. And from a Christian perspective, the Center for Prophetic Imagination put up this uh, quote from Dorothy Sole, I think is how you pronounce her name. And uh, it just kind of like has been, you know, moving around in my head. Really living like Christ will not mean reward, social recognition, and an assured, in- an assured income, but difficulties, discrimination, solitude, anxiety. And then, it, and then the quote goes on. But like, I somehow want to lift up the experiences of ordinary people, um, and to reclaim like the meaningfulness in our culture of people who you know our lives that are not celebrity focused and living like Christ is not going to necessarily garner attention. It's not sexy to do the work of Jesus. I'm just going to say that like maybe it is occasionally, but it's really not. Like loving other people and loving people in community next to you is not like. 
it's not the most glamorous thing sometimes. Right, but that know? but that that's where you have to make the delineation, right? Like that's true for most everyone, but that can't 100% be true for a pastor, for a speaker, for so, for a writer, yeah. for someone who's trying to then make a living on the work that they're doing. And I think that that's right. what we're talking about. We're not talking about you know, it's it's this whole idea. One, there was this really interesting thing that someone said to me uh, when I first started my first Old Testament. Uh, it was a Genesis Exodus class in my first semester at college, and we were the the teacher was going over the story of Balaam and the donkey and all that kind of stuff, and then he asked, "Where was everyone else? What was everyone else doing?" And he said they were eating breakfast. Right. So like we have these stories that we use and even in scripture that are Moses and David and all this kind of stuff. And we forget to ask ourselves, what about everyone else? So when we use those examples of people who are at the center of attention, the center of power, and then we then try to apply it to ourselves, there's always going to be a certain amount of disconnect. And it's no wonder that we want to garner some sort of uh, authority or recognition in the midst of that because all of our examples are that. So I think that there's there is there's always going to be some sort of celebrity dynamic. But the that's why I continue to say like you can't get away from that because to me it's like ancient. It's always going to be there and it has to be responsibility there has to be a responsibility with what you do with your platform no matter how small or how large it is. And then obviously there's work for individuals to do, right? Like we can sit here and be like, well, we're not getting hundreds of thousands of downloads and there's all these other podcasts out there in our niche that are, that are doing great. And it's hard not to be a little bit, you know, I'll I'll admit it. Sometimes I'm looking at it and I'm like, how are they getting more numbers than us? Because we are more awesome. Like, you know, I, I I, I take pride in that work. (laughs) I know, right. It's my problem. problem. (laughs) Exactly. It's my problem. But if I impose my problem onto our platform and then I make it everyone else's problem, then I'm not using the platform right. And if I really believe that there needs to be a reckoning as I grow or as we grow in this platform, then it's important for us to give voice to not people who already have platform, but people who are building theirs. And I think right. that there's 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 a responsibility to always be aware of the space that we are inhabiting. Because I believe like at the heart of this this tweet that I put at the beginning of progressing progressive Christianity's cult of personality is not transformative leadership. Um, I agree with that to the point that if someone is drawing attention to themselves over their work and the work of others towards something larger, then yes, I agree with that. But the problem is the only means that we have to to garner some sort of large scale understanding of the work that we're doing is to become a media personality. Like it's I, I, it's I the means to the end. In our culture, how how else are you going to get a platform out there without purposely trying to be a media personality or Black becoming one in the process? Black Lives Matter. Like they don't have centralized, necessarily recognizable leadership, but they have recognizable presence. I think I think we're on the cusp of discovering what transformative leadership actually looks like. The 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 cult of personality. So progressive Christianity has like a hit culture where it's like. Okay, this one person, I'm going to be loyal to them. I mean, this is as old as, as the as the book of Acts, right? Like, I'm of Paul. I'm of this person. That that's literal. That's in the in the New Testament. Um, it's like I, I'm following uh, Rob Bell. Well, I I'm following this person, and oh, this person is is toxic because of this thing, and we will never interact with them again. And it's almost like you have to follow these different cults of personality. To kind of 
learn what is appropriate for the community. Right. That and that that's not a good leadership structure, and it's not even frankly Christian. No, it's um, not. But who's who's the burden said, of that on? Right. So right. are, are I think we? Are it's we? On we all of us. No, I think but it's on all of us. But at the same time, are we complaining about the people that are creating those dynamics of the followers, or is there? Is there a responsibility for the leader that is being thrown into that? Like if they, yeah, if the, the, you know, let's say just obviously, I don't know if this is, it's not happening, but the Rob Bell people and the, you know, Richard Rohr people or whatever to take two, like if they start like, well, this, that, and you shouldn't be a part of that platform. It's responsibility of the leader to step in there and say, hey, because if we put it on the burden on, well, you're all just freaking out and then the leader remains silent, then I don't think that they're. Not that they have to address every issue. I think that there's obviously some discernment in terms of scale and what kind of things are happening because, you know, everyone's voice, you know, especially on Twitter, it's going to be there. But I do think that there needs to be more. I don't know. I don't know. I hear you. I hear you about the the responsibility for the people in power. I think I'm arriving somewhere listening to you speak. I heard a long time ago, Howard Hendricks, he was like, in conservative circles, he's from like Dallas Theological Seminary, dispensationalist teacher. He did like the inductive method of studying the Bible. Um, and he kind of – he mentored my mentor when I was in college. So his love for teaching really got kind of into me. Um, he he said one time and I, I, I read an interview where he said like he doesn't understand the concept of Christian celebrity because those two things somehow just don't work together for him. And I guess I realize now – what the what he might have been saying might not have been saying, but what I I get from that is that you're talking about celebrity like power, and power is shared in Christianity, like in 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 the the revolutionary early Christian movement, power was this like shared thing. The Holy Spirit fell on all of us, right? Not on one person to lead everybody, but it was a shared communal thing. And I think I hear that now is that. The celebrity culture participates in the the forms of power that kind of quote unquote the rest of the world does outside right. of Christianity. And, and maybe I, that doesn't make sense. And I even think that that term celebrity culture, when someone says something like that, they're they're again they're talking about the people and the celebrity themselves gets off scot free. I mean, let's look at Jesus because. And I know it's cliche, you know. <laughs> let's look at Jesus, uh, and I recognize that. Let's look at Jesus, um, but. <laughs> First of all, what is celebrity? Celebrity is basically, to me, is you know your culture well enough to be able to capitalize on it to create yourself a platform, right? Jesus was a celebrity, and I don't think Jesus was – it may not be the term that Jesus used or people in Jesus' time used, but Jesus used the platform and used the culture to gain notoriety to his to his message and then therefore had followers. And the one thing he never yeah. did was turn people away from following him. Jesus, as the leader, as the one with power, created his own boundaries by he himself separating from the group when he knew he needed to. The whole entire burden was on Jesus. And I don't think that to label this as something new of celebrity culture, certainly in America, it's a little out of out of whack because of the reasons that certain people get famous, which is probably a whole nother conversation. But in terms of like attacking the fact that a personality is going to get up there, it always like, and I keep getting back to this, but it always puts the burden on the quote unquote followers and not the responsibility that needs to be taken from the person who is putting themselves out of platform. And I think Jesus was well aware and capitalized on the fact and was, was his equivalent of media savvy in terms of knowing how people were going to talk about who he was and what he and was doing. In, in case anyone questions that, 
think about Jesus in the New Testament walking in front of the Pharisees and making his disciples pick wheat on the Sabbath, like provoking a scandal. Right. Like that, and also the triumphal entry, he planned ahead of time. It was like, we're going to do this political stunt. I'm going to ride it on a donkey. Y'all get all the poor people. Like we're going to march into the city. Right. That's, exactly. That's, a, that's and, like a, yeah. And our great civil rights leaders in our country also in rightfully so, I want to the rightfully so were media savvy. They knew how to promote. They knew how to get their message out there because they knew that they were doing it towards something better. And they knew that that was this culture's mode of getting that message out. So I don't think. I don't, but, it, but, it, but it empowered the culture. The, 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 the difference for me with civil rights leaders is that it, the best ones. The best ones empowered communities. Dorothy Day started the the Catholic worker movement, had agro universities on land, had um, like hospitality houses that were based communities. MLK, he like created a whole network of people when they did boycotts and stuff. And he like he was a really good networker who activated people all across the leadership structure. And so even though they had their celebrity, it was their power was like diffused and almost came from the people that they worked with. Right. And I think that that's that that's a really good. I mean, G- Jesus was the same way, too. Absolutely. Um, and to put it in simple terms, it's it's to me that responsibility is under the the philosophy of is your celebrity status the end or is it just the means to a better end? And I think that yeah. you can cross over into that and not even realize that where you realize, oh, now I'm just trying to maintain my celebrity status as opposed to continue my work. And that's where, again, it's on the leader to be responsible to understand and determine that and surround themselves with the right people. You know, we talk about people in power surrounding themselves with, with yes persons and, you know, that perpetuates that. And I think that that's the beauty side of celebrity culture is because you have followers, they can call you out. And if, and you know, it's not always going to be right. It's not always going to be that, but you can, you know, be mindful about how you approach criticism and stuff like that. But a problem is that sometimes we use celebrity status as a way to avoid and be above criticism. That's really interesting. Like celebrity can't be the ends in itself or it's extremely toxic. And we've seen that across our culture. It's become an end in and of itself. And the reason it's toxic for me is it never delivers on its promises. Like celebrity celebrities, uh, um, there's a farce to it. And I think that, um, Hmm. And it's a spectrum because it can move into cult of personality. Then when you're mindfully and purposefully using that platform and those skills as a media personality to manipulate and create falsehoods. But even when you're not, I mean, you can like, well, even when you're not for sure. But that's why I think it's a spectrum. It's, you know, we have to take each case for what it is. And then specifically within Christian celebrity culture, this idea of leaders becoming media personalities just by the nature of our culture. Again, I don't think that there's anything wrong with it, but once you have it, what do you do with it? it. But when you're then equating your interpretation and your words as the words of God, then that's where the big problem is, is because then you're messing not just with people's like admiration for your work or your words, but you're messing with their spirituality. And for some people, you're messing with what they believe their eternal destination will be. And that's where you know we really need to be weary is how are people using their celebrity, not is celebrity culture I think, the problem? No, I think it's before that too. I think it's the nature of celebrity itself too. I mean, I think it's I think it's on all of us, not just the leaders, for how Christians are going to interact with celebrity culture or create celebrity culture. 
I, th- I think it's on all of us. I think I, that, I uh, do, but I think the greater burden is on the people who are sure. as a part of it because it's unavoidable. Like, right? Everyone can go on YouTube. Everyone can start a podcast. It's this no gatekeeper platforms where you can put stuff up there. But if you're charismatic, you're going to rise to the top. If you're boring as hell and you have crappy production value, people aren't going to watch it. So it's not about the message and it's not going to be – Ever, even even before the way that we do things, right? If you had a good message, but you were a you were a crappy writer, your novel wasn't going to get published. You weren't, gonna, you know, you weren't going to be Shakespeare. You know, how many other playwrights were during Shakespeare's time, right? The the people who are the most talented, the Whoa. people who have a gift for certain things, are going to rise to the top and be eternal. And you can't avoid that. There's nothing you can do. Let's to pause l- that. Like like let's let's put a pin in that. The point of Christianity is not that. It's not. It's not to be to create even necessarily a movement around yourself or to have your work become the center of, of everything. Christianity, I, I really do believe that's not the goal. I mean, it may be the means in some ways to changing culture and to, to leading to greater justice. But outside of that, I don't see, I don't see one GD <laughs> redeemable thing about celebrity culture other than maybe in the hagiography sense, inspiring other people to live like more, centered and focused lives um but it's gonna happen because you have to teach the message right you have to teach about christianity well how how i think right now if christians if christians lost all of our celebrities we may it's not like we're worse off i really don't feel like that if you write a book if you put a message out there depending upon the 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 avenue in which you put it out there, you're, there's going to be a celebrity attached to it because all celebrity is is that is that mass recognition. So you can't avoid that. And right. the mass recognition is going to come with people who have a certain charisma that catches people or a certain talent in the way that they're doing it, whether they just, they're a great I orator or they're a great writer. So you're not going to be able to avoid that. And of course, it's not about the message. But, but I think it's a negative thing. I think, I think it's an un... I, we, the, the way you're articulating it, it's like, oh, it's not good or bad. It just kind of happens. It's the way the world is. I feel like as far as Christian practice goes, there is a negative aspect to the tribalism that arises from celebrity culture. So I think that like even it, it, it has a negative impulse from the get-go and we have to be careful how we're going to interact with it. Does that make sense? That's how I feel about power, like political power. That's how I feel about – uh celebrity power i think that there is a corrupting influence in it and we have to be very careful when we are and and i think i'm with you the problem is people who are in those places of celebrity are not necessarily critically deconstructing that and somehow sharing that power right right and i and i agree with that and i do and i don't want it to seem like i don't think that there's no there isn't any individual responsibility for people to really be aware of how easily they can connect with someone who is charismatic or in power or anything like that part of where this conversation came from from for me is i have no judgments to pass on this but i discovered that there are celebrity pastors to celebrities I was watching like a Vox documentary and someone's wearing like Armani and I I don't know what they were wearing. I actually don't know (laughs) like any clothing brands like that, but they're wearing thousands of dollars worth of, you know, one shirt or something like that. And they're talking to this person and they're, you know, Justin Bieber's pastor. And then there's basically like four pastors who are pastors to like, they're all interconnected somehow. The Kardashians, the, uh, um, who are the other ones that are connected to the Kardashians? I think it's the same path. I don't know. I- anyway, there's actually a flow chart if, if you want to look it up. And all these people are connected. And it's like, 
Man, I I really I guess it you know what? I'm with you. It is about power because I really worry about ministers who are ministers to presidents and stuff like that. Like the nature of that kind of pastoring is weird to me. Like you have so much responsibility if you're going to be speaking to power and ministering and pastoring power. That's like a whole nother thing to me. Like like this guy has actually moved Justin Bieber in a certain direction, right? He's like shepherding him to to do I don't know he like Justin Bieber's leading worship and stuff like that and I don't know well not anymore been... they're 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 uh they're in a bit of a feud from really? what I understand yeah oh, see that's what I'm God. saying is that that when it like <laughs> it crosses over into TMZ territory yeah <laughs> then we're, we're running into problem because then it's it's not you know and I think that this is this can be used in a good way in a bad way but to me at the heart of christianity it's supposed to impact culture right uh, yeah. from a conservative evangelical point of view many people would say that that means you know all, so i know i know the <laughs> i know that right. that statement is problematic depending upon how you approach it um but it's never but i think that the heart of jesus's message and we've talked about this before is this is is the idea of subverting power dynamics Right. It's about changing a culture that you're a part of, not just jumping into it and becoming just another celebrity. Yeah. That whole Justin Bieber pastor thing. That's, I forget. I think it's like a Hillsong church in New York yes, or something I'm like that. I'm pretty sure yeah. it is. Yeah. That There's, stuff is. Uh, link, link the Vox. Uh, Jeff does all our, our good work on the, the. We'll put that in the show notes. That'll the, be at, the show uh, notes side. But like, uh, link the Vox thing because she basically asked him point blank about like gay people. And it's the most uncomfortable, like, interview with that pastor because he's trying to, like, not talk about that while, right. like, holding so, on to, like, really. So that's the other part of it. I'm glad you mentioned that. That's really important. So there's this amazing work that's happening. And we're going to put this the link to that in the show notes and this in the show notes at irenacast.com slash 126. Um, but there's this amazing work that's happening. It's called churchclarity.com. And basically, yes. this this uh, organization is really going through and creating a database of churches as far as how inclusive they are to women in leadership and the LGBTQ community. And, Can I uh, tell you something real fast? You and I have never talked about this. Did you know... I have a friend who goes to a church that is not welcoming that, that 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 like that says they're welcoming the gay people, but it's one of those things where once you're there for six months, then the shoe drops, and then they want you to like you know change and repent and all this kind of stuff. And so, Church Clarity, like my friend had sent a thing to Church Clarity saying this congregation's not necessarily safe for gay people because they're like going to ask you to change at some point, and they said, well, you have to send us proof. And so they went through on their website and on all their information and there was no like outright statement on marriage or on, on that. So what I did was I, <laughs> I guess I don't know if she's admitting this on the podcast. I picked two sermons where I knew it would come up in the past two years for that church because they were asking me to help them. And I looked through and I like looked up, uh, I think it was first Timothy or second Timothy, you know, or about elders and I listened to it. And there was like one sentence in two years worth of sermons or like maybe one year worth of sermons where it was outright like women in leadership. They're not supposed to be in leadership. You know, like they, people don't get up there and advertise that they won't get up and say women are not allowed to be elders in our church, but they will function that way. And you'll only discover it once you get to the, the, the inner circle. So I, I, I dug and I found that clip. They sent it to uh, Church Clarity, and they actually got put up on the website. 
and rated based on good. their like egalitarianism that's, versus complementarianism. That's if that's all we can do, that's what we should do. But Honestly, I think I agree. You're, when you when you mention this, it's in the context of this this idea of this Hillsong Church and uh, Broderick Greer, another you know media personality, a personality within po- uh, progressive Christianity, uh, wrote an article for Church Clarity about how deceiving like hipster churches are that come off real, like inclusive and all that kind of stuff. But their their aesthetic is a lie, right? So you get into there, which is highlights the importance of something like church clarity is because sometimes celebrity can be a smokescreen. Sometimes celebrity can be this thing like look at all the aesthetics but not the depth behind it. And that's when you get into that territory where the celebrity becomes the end instead of the means to to, to something greater. So I'm going to put the link to that article because it is fantastic. And if you know of churches in your area or you're doing anything – Related to church work and you want to know where inclusive churches are, go to Church Clarity, be involved. You can actually sign up to be an ally. And we have no connection with them, by the way. I think we're supposed to say that. Uh, This isn't like a sponsored thing. Mm -hmm. This is just something that – the more and more I read about this organization and get exposed to it, this is such important work to to do exactly what Alan's talking about, putting that stuff out there to to demystify the celebrity culture that you create within a church. Like, let's not talk about just America, but how many times have you been in a church setting, especially the larger it gets, where it becomes its own celebrity culture within that little niche and that community and stuff like that. So again, churchclarity.com, put in the show notes, irenacast.com slash 126. And Sorry, if, that was a little bit of a rant, the, but. If you do the good work of rating your church or another church and like sending in, not even rating, it's not rating, it's not even saying good or bad, it's just saying this is what they believe about women, right. this is what they believe about gender or sexuality. I think that you're doing a service because I can't tell you how many people I have interacted with that want n- nothing to do with church ever again. And that's fine. I'm not going to judge people who walk away from the church whatsoever. Like if that's you, I totally get it. But as a pastor, it breaks my heart to see these churches bait and switch people basically have an open and an inclusive feel to them and almost say – they even say that stuff from the pulpit and then the shoe drops six months later and they're already in. They already have connections with everyone. They're already calling people mom and dad and grandma and like they're connected to the church and then they're rejected at that moment. I think you doing the work of helping people know what they're getting into ahead of time is like – that's the work of – of it's the work of God, truth and God. Yeah, yes. absolutely. It's a work of justice. It's it's so it's let us know if you that. do that. If yeah, send us a note. I mean, I want to be in that work with you. So, any other final thoughts on this idea of a Christian celebrity culture? I don't know. I had I had an extreme aversion going into this conversation to celebrity just because of my personality, just because of the way I was raised and like kind of what I was taught in my more um, fundamentalistic days. Um, but I think I've let go of some of that because I recognize. The impulse for people uh, in creating celebrity or celebrating it. And I still hold on to – I'm with you. I'm all about deconstructing power and having new forms of it. And I think celebrity functions as that. And that's an interesting take on it. So I'm going to hold that openly in my heart and mind, Jeff. Yeah. And I, and and I might say soul, the same. Which is like, all one thing. I'm not going to make any bones about it. Like, I think that we are in a phase of this podcast and our work that we want to be. I don't, I don't, we want to be media personalities in the sense that we want what we do to to matter to people and to move forward. And we've had wonderful emails from people. And uh, we want to be the type of people that use whatever platform, no matter how big or small, because I think that we can run into the idea of I think you as as a creator, as someone who has a platform, you can run into the comparing 
thing and then that becomes then that changes the nature of your work and where you want to go i'll be the antidote jeff for anything that you feel at any point because (laughs) i don't give a flying i don't care either about celebrity about recognition about like honestly and i swear if 10 people like showed up to for what i'm doing i feel fine if one person does you know if nobody does if i'm on a street corner and i'm like holding a sign like <laughs> i'm fine with that because that's my that's my personality but i i think the reason i like doing what we do is when people share themselves and share their personalities share their faces share their lives and they like kind of live more openly and publicly that's a gift to everyone it's not necessarily good for the person doing it because it invites a whole lot of a whole lot of things that are not acceptance and understanding they have a, a cost of all like associated with that but to me when i see people vlogging or you know creating podcasts and stuff it, it's an invitation and it's a gift to us to be able to like live with them in some way and like think through what their lives are and so i especially when I they are live. especially when they're people who are not they don't reflect our circumstances, right? They don't reflect exactly. our things. We get a window into this other world that's that's beautiful and helpful and broadens our perspective. And uh, I think that that's important. I think it's important for people to jump on platforms. I think it's important for people to put their voices out there in any way that we can. And I think that the higher and the more that you have in your platform, I think the more responsibility you have to highlight those voices that are not yours, right? So a lot of times you get someone who's a big celebrity and they create this platform and then they just promote other people that are there them light, right? Like light versions of what they do to kind of keep the hierarchy going as opposed to people that are completely different or even they also someone actively who's... try to punish people who are disloyal, right? Right, <laughs> right. I mean, we could talk about authoritarianism on the podcast because that's... No, but, but that happens with celebrities. It's not just Trump. Absolutely. It's not just political power. Celebrities have hit hits out on people, you know, with libel lawsuits, they can strike your, your video for copyright infringement, even though you just mentioned them and hold your video down for 30 days until someone reviews it and then puts it back up, but it's already like hurt you. So there's, and you there's, can't fight it because you don't have the money. And right. Yeah, yeah, and even if sure. you do, like legally, you have, they have 30 days to – that's how YouTube works right now. They can strike a copyright claim, immediately takes down your video. You put a response and say, no, this copyright claim's bunk. They have 30 days to respond before they'll put the video back up. And it's like people are using these techniques to um, make sure that they protect their power and that they like punish anyone who's disloyal. That that kind of culture and that happens in progressive Christianity. That crap is like that is from the devil. <laughs> right. It's 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 antithetical to all the things that I think we've landed on in terms That's of power a better way. and everything like that. That's so, a better way of saying it. Uh, let I'm us know for this next conversation, Jeff. Um, man, I've been wanting <laughs> to talk about this. These are all my people, so. Sounds good. Well, let us know what you think. Uh, add your voice to this particular conversation and comment in the show notes at irenacast.com slash 126. Also in the show notes, you'll find relevant links and complete list of all the other ways you can like, follow, and contact the show. That's irenacast.com slash 126. On the other side of the music, we're going to be discussing the the newly penned social social justice and gospel statement from some conservative peeps out there. So uh, stay tuned for that. That should be fun. So I guess this isn't one of our regular segments in terms of we have a game or anything like that. But I think it's important for us every now and then when something comes up that's uh, a current event that we really think is, you know, 
important. We're going to have a, a mini conversation about it. So we'll we'll per- temporarily dub this segment current events. And uh, what we're going to be talking about is a recent, um, I, uh, I, th- I want to say it was a, on September 4th, 2018, as we're recording this. So by the time this comes out, there might be some extra stuff going to this. But uh, the Founders Ministry came out with the statement on social justice and the gospel. And this is similar. We've had several of these statements kind of come out over the last year. I think earlier this year, there was the um, was it the Nashville statement that came out earlier this yeah. year? And that was the Nashville statements, basically the same people. Yeah, same people. But it was like anti LGBTQ Christianity. And there's a lot of elements to this statement. Basically, they get a ton of conservative uh, celebrity pastors and thinkers uh, from like the evangelical world to come together and put their name to something that they've drafted. And the idea is, I mean, they, they've done this for a long time. You can go back to the Chicago statement on an, an inerrancy. I think that's the 1980s. And basically, these people will speak with, from their authority and say, this is what we think of. Because there's no governing body for evangelicalism in some ways. I mean, there's the Southern Baptist you know, Convention or whatever, and there's a couple other conventions. But they're all loosely affiliated. People move really easily between non-denominational Southern Baptist uh some other like maybe evangelical Presbyterian and some other uh, churches. And so they don't have any like central unifying thing. And this is a way to get recognition across the board on their theology, on their statements um, as these celebrity pastors. And so they put out the Nashville statement and it was basically like just a repudiation of, of gay Christians in general. And even in this one, I mean, they went through it again, social justice and gospel where they're talking about social justice they again put like we reject it says uh let's see here um they they talk about everything from racism to well before um, we get into the the the, the but, meat of this but i just want to say that there that there are that there are elements from the nashville inside of this statement like you know basically they say we reject biblical we reject gay christian as a biblical category it cannot be a thing like kind of thing um i think that the reason i'm excited to talk about this the first signer of this thing is John MacArthur. And that's the, the, if you don't know my story, I got a scholarship to go to the master's college. Um, I graduated with a bachelor's degree in biblical studies, and that is a small Christian private college in Southern California, which actually is going through some recent controversy. Maybe I could talk about that after, at the end of this, but their, their power structure inside is so like kind of um, inbred. They have, people on their board who are accountable to the people in power in other organizations like churches and stuff. And so they went through controversy with their um, accreditation recently, which is really interesting, but it doesn't surprise me the the, the culture that, that was built while I was there. Um, those people have put out this statement and it's honestly based on John MacArthur's work. If you listen to John MacArthur, he, he had a grace to you radio show program back in the day. He's put out the John MacArthur study Bible, which has like millions of copies sold. And he has tons and tons of books. Um, He preached sermons, Jeff, that were basically saying social justice is a perversion of the gospel. It is the gospel is not about social transformation. It's not about like this worldly salvation. It is about pointing people to Christ. And yes, we should do so like we should be good people in the process and like live justly, but that's not the goal of the church. And so when I hear that, I mean, I, I tweeted recently something about like a joke where Jesus is speaking and John MacArthur's interrupting. And I, <laughs> when I hear Jesus and Luke saying in other places, I've come to, to preach good news to the poor and liberation to the oppressed. 
I don't think Jesus is just saying when you die, when you die, you're going to go to heaven. I think Jesus is actually speaking. And if you read through cultural lenses of the time, the New Testament material, Jesus is a revolutionary. Jesus is someone who gets executed because he is involved in social transformation. Anyway, this statement comes out of John MacArthur as he is usually upset at the charismatics, upset at the feminists, upset at these people. And he'll write a book. He'll put out a statement, but he's got a whole following now to push back against the idea that Christians are about social justice. Right. Yeah. And I think that's that really- that's so as, as we're recording this and if, if anything changes, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes and we'll definitely put it on our Facebook page. Um, there's not so the the Nashville statement that came out that they did then there there was a um a contrary statement that came out from progressives denouncing that so at this point there's not a contrary statement to this particular one but this is definitely like you're saying Alan this is definitely a specific attack on progressive Christians right so a lot of times most of these statements were towards um secular culture or whatever, but there seems to be more and more recognition that there's a wider breadth of Christianity within uh, the world and be progressive Christianity being one of them. And, you know, a central tenet of progressive Christianity being social justice. So, so each, so I think there's, there's 13 statements. There's a few statements in there and basically they, 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 a list of affirmations and a list of denials, right? So the third one is justice. And let me just read to you what they deny. So they, they deny that true justice can be culturally defined or that standards of justice that are merely socially constructed can be opposed with the same authority as those who are derived from scripture. We further deny that Christians can live justly in a world under any principle other than the biblical standard of righteousness, relativism, socially constructed standards of truth or morality, and notions of virtue and vice that are consistently in flux cannot result in authentic justice. Uh, so, I mean, you go through that statement. There are several Christian dog whistles in there in terms of relativism and socially constructed, socially constructed standards of truth. I put little quotes up if for those of you listening. Um, so these, these are just pushing back against things that are happening in the media. And it's interesting that it comes out. I, I don't know the exact timing, but I know that, that Nike just put out a big, um, ad campaign with, uh, Colin, Colin Kaepernick, Kaep- Kaepernick as the, as the central spokesperson for that. And obviously he still doesn't even have a team to play on because he's still right. refusing not to, to kneel during the, and everyone's burning their shoes and cutting Nike off their shirts right. and stuff. And which is really interesting. I mean, I, I wish people would have done that before for the child labor and the outsourcing to like extremely cheap labor and unsafe factory conditions and stuff. I mean, wow, someone's pointing out oppression. Let's uh, boycott this thing that's involved in other forms of oppression. It's just, it's almost funny, like an onion article. You said dog whistle, and that's really important. I think on one level, some people who are evangelicals can read this statement and be like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. But but that whole like, you know, justice is not relative to culture. That's a re- that's a repudiation of human culture in general. I mean, there are different cultures represented within scripture, and there are different ways of interacting with each other in scripture, and, and they change over time. And that's and that's just the nature of of humanity. That's who we are. I mean – there, if you live in a uh, like a culture with polygamy, right? I mean, there's there's no injunction against polygamy in the, in the Bible at all. And I think that like if you lived in a culture with polygamy, there are certain ways of living justly. And if you live in a culture that doesn't have that, there are certain ways of living justly. I think with society, yourself, with other people, and to say that there is one, what this does is what it did in my co- in my college days. I sat through a church history class where my church history professor said, "You know, 
times are so bad for the church because there's black theology, there's uh, feminist theology, there's this type of theology, there's that, when really there should be one theology, one mountaintop theology. And what this does is it enshrines the culture of the people who wrote it as the only legitimate way of living in the world. And that that's so dangerous. Um, like, for instance, under God's law, number four, they say, we deny that any obligation that does not arise from God's commandments can be legitimately imposed on Christians as a prescription for righteous living. What they're saying with that is, from how they understand the Bible, no Christian should be told they should do anything outside of what arises from what they understand from the Bible. And it's like, as far as like bioethics and stuff goes, we're encountering things in our world that were not around when the Bible was written. (laughs) And Christians should be in the process of creating ethics and morality that do arise from general ideas in the Bible, maybe like, you know, an affirmation of life, affirmation of justice. Like what, what it does is it freezes us so far back in the past that we have no permission to like create together right now. And that, that is a denial of humanity. That's a denial of the spirit inside of us. And I'll, I'll, I'll get charismatic. That's a denial of the, the movement of the spirit breathing in the current church. Just because the Bible doesn't speak directly to something doesn't mean we, we should live ethically toward that. And, and you know what? Like, I believe everything I do can be grounded in certain parts of scripture. I do believe that. But what they're saying is if it doesn't arise from their interpretation and their application of scripture, then somehow you're going above and beyond. And that's the key is right. Is that they're like you say, they're setting their interpretation of scripture, their view of church history, their context over everyone else's context. Cause even when we talk about the justice, I read the denial, but remember each one has affirmation. So look at the affirmation for justice is that it says we affirm that since the holy, righteous and just God requires those who bear his image, of course, in uh, to live justly in this world. This includes showing appropriate respect to every person and giving to each one what he or she is due which those two things contradict each other, right? Like you can't give respect to every person and then give like, that's, that's denial of Jesus, right? That's the opposite of the golden rule. That's treat others what they deserve as opposed to treat others the way that they should be treated. That's not justice. That's not biblical justice either. So then it goes on to say is we affirm that societies must establish laws to correct injustices and have been imposed through cultural prejudice. To me, this justice one is the the big one because this is what this is what they're specifically attacking, is that they are trying to correct people's view of justice. And that is just I mean, the words themselves, they speak for themselves. We're, if, especially most of the, most of our listeners, you're coming from evangelical backgrounds and you're probably listening to some of these statements and you know exactly what they're trying to say when they say it. Because these are, you know, these are Christian dog whistles. They use that 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 uh, term in the the beginning, and I think that this, I mean, this is this is emblematic of all that, and I, it's it's gross. So it's talking about it's talking about, for instance, LG like gay marriage. We affirm the societies must establish laws to correct injustices that have been imposed through cultural right. prejudice. Our culture has been prejudiced toward gay people, allowing them to be married. So therefore, we should have laws that ban that. Like justice in this sense is punitive. Like you said, giving people their due. I think you nailed it. That needs to be highlighted and sent around. That is a dog whistle. Right. And, and you're right. Antithetical to the gospel. And they're talking about immigration is what, what they're talking about here. Uh, underlining that they're talking about. Uh, I mean, if you're going to put a, a list of priorities on it, you know, you're talking about uh, abortion, uh, um, LGBTQ community and immigration. Like that's the those are the the things that are happening here. And any opposition to those things is an opposition to real justice, according to them, which is. 
I think the most ridiculous out of all of it is socially constructed standards of truth or morality. And they say that that's like not a thing, right? There is no such thing as non-socially constructed truth. Right. <laughs> like I when know. you look at the Bible, it was written in a community. <laughs> like it well, was to a laws are socially constructed morality, <laughs> right, right? right? Like, <laughs> yeah. And it's like that, that, oh my God. Well, what, what, in what world is there a truth that comes to us without social, like, aspects to it? Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's like that, that's the, that's the soil that it arose from. There's no, and that's not to say it's not important. And I, that's actually what, what pisses me off the most is that some of this way of thinking is saying somehow if it's socially constructed, you don't have a right to tell me it doesn't matter anymore. I don't have to live according to it because it doesn't, you know, it's not from God in a stork, like a stork bringing it down to us. It lets you pick and um, choose. Yeah. And, and, and what I want to tell them is, you know, it doesn't free us from justice to say that it's socially constructed and understood. That actually makes us more responsible for being active in it and making sure that we're we're like checking ourselves and that we're working towards something better. And I, it's just a denial of humanity. And that's the hardest part for me. I think a lot of my experience of religion when I was younger was a denial of my humanity, a denial and repudiation of my sexuality, like a denial and repudiation of like w- what I was interested in and who I was. And this just goes even further, like saying our culture doesn't matter, like culture itself and the, the functions that it uses. And so there, I, I just wanted to send out an invitation. I mean – if anyone is listening to this and they're kind of like thinking through relativism and social construction and truth and morality, there is a whole world of life giving goodness when you start to think like through new forms of understanding how truth functions and how like meaning functions. There's another world, man. And it, and it, you don't have to lose your faith in that at all. Mine has been enriched and has grown. And uh, anyway, that's, it's hard to read this stuff because it's just like, yeah, it's really hard to read this stuff. The only consolation is that, I don't know, maybe it's just where we're at, but it, it feels it feels more and more desperate and it feels yeah, more and more like grasping. And I hope that eventually it's just like, it's just a joke that people laugh off because right. it, it so is that, serious. That, I do. I don't yeah. want to, I don't want to not acknowledge the fact that it is serious, especially for those that are the, that are the direct victims of statements like this from people in power. I know that it's, that it's dangerous. Um, but there, there's fortunately more and more people are speaking out. And again, if if another statement after we've recorded this comes out in contrast to this one, we will make sure that it's available if anyone wants to to sign it, much like there was with the the opposition to the Nashville statement. We'll put that in the show notes or on our Facebook page if that comes out. And I'm sure it will. I can't imagine it won't. Part of me doesn't even want to address it. Like I didn't write anything about it, even though I'm probably the person who should, because this is the world I come out of. My mentors signed to this. Like that's that's how close it is to my heart. But I want it to go away. I don't even want to draw attention to it. Like I I want it to be weird and off to the side, but it's not. I mean, there right. there's four thousand six hundred and twenty one signatures as of this recording, and like it's kind of funny when you go through the signers. It's it's like all men, <laughs> like the whole thing. I mean, there's 19 errands, like like right away. That's well, you can't make an authoritative statement and have a woman sign it. Then do you, do you know who one of the signers is? And you always know you're in good company when David Duke signs something <laughs> that you. Signed I did off. not see that. Oh, geez. Yeah. 
I just yeah. looked it up. Well, and I think that <laughs> that impulse, because I have that impulse too, is just to ignore it. But I think that that impulse comes from our place of privilege where we can't ignore it because it's not going to yeah. affect us. So that's why I do think it is, you know, going back to our conversation before, as much as a platform as we end up having, we need to use it to highlight things that, that maybe we can shrug off and not listen to. But it's important that people know this is out there and that people speak against it. So um, it, it feels like we're wrestling with um, – the f- wrestling for the soul of our church in general, if, if if the church is a monolithic thing, which it's not, but like Christianity in the United States, it's like we're wrestling for the soul of it. This to me feels like a step back in healthy engagement in our society. You know, it's, it feels that way for sure. Yeah. Like a giant step back and uh, stuff like this. No joke. Does makes me want to not be a Christian in that sense to just say I'm different, you know? That sucks because I have so much in common with those people, those people, with the people that I come from. I mean, we share the same songs. We share the same, like, spirit and stuff. And so to see top-down efforts like this, tough. that's what this is, Jeff. The reason this freaking pisses me off is that it's a top-down effort to make sure all the small churches conform. If your little church doesn't conform to this bigger thing, then you're not a real Bible-believing church. That's what makes me angry about this is that it's a it's not just a dog whistle. It's like a a clarion call. It's like a trumpet saying everyone's going to think this way. And if you don't, we can definitely break fellowship with you. That's what it feels like. It's co-opting God. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I think that I mean, that that it is what it is. And we want to put it out there and make it aware. And we wanted to make sure we put our thoughts there. And again, we'll put anything that comes contradictory to this. We'll put on on our page and our things. Hopefully something will. And I want to say not not to say that they intended it to be that way. Not that this is like, you know, an evil top down thing. I don't I think that's how I look at it. You can see other things that way. But that's the effect in my mind. Right. That's all all I have to say. I agree. (laughs) All right. Well, that'll do it for us this week. Alan, how can people find out what you have going on on the interwebs? Uh, you can follow me everywhere. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Look up Rev Alan O'Brien, R-E-V-A-L-L-E-N-O-B-R-I-E-N. Um, and follow me. You can become friends with me on Facebook and just check out what I'm doing. Sounds good. And you can follow me on all the socials at Jeff Manildi and listen on the second and fourth Thursday of every month to my other podcast, Divine Cinema, which has been on another unintended hiatus, but it's coming back soon. In fact, as I record this yesterday, I just finished a recording of of the dreaded God's Not Dead 3 that should be uh, posted in the next couple months, which coincidentally has a lot to do with the conversation that we've had here. So uh, check that out um, It'll for an eventual release. God's uh, back, and this time he's pissed oh, off. It's <laughs> it's it's the worst. It's more subtle. Than I say that, he, but I say he because that's, that's the what they say, under, right? That's that's, that's right. the only way to understand God <laughs> when God's not dead. That's right. That's right. As for Irenacast, though, don't forget to subscribe to the show to never miss an episode. Uh, we're available on all major podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and many more. And while you're there, if your platform allows it, leave us a rating and or review. We're always looking for more and more ways to hear from you. You can also fill out our listener survey at irenacast.com slash survey. The information you give us is super helpful as we move forward and continue to evolve the show. That's irenacast.com slash survey. So for this week, I'm Jeff. I'm Alan. Thanks for joining the conversation. Thank you.